Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, early bird gets the worm, folks. Get on the line. You want to talk to Doug. He's on the disc. Get the two to Pittsburgh News line. Time to get ramped up for another edition of the Organic Gardener. We've got the folks from Davy Trees coming up in about 20 minutes. So 866-391-1020. But as we always do, we make that opportunity for a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles. Uh, an opportunity for you if you're the 10th caller at 412-922-1020. Here he is from DougOster.com. Ready to rock and roll for another Sunday. Good morning, Douglas. Good morning. We will be talking trees with Luke Warner from the Davy Tree Expert Company. I'm going to ask him what he's seeing so far in the landscape as far as trees and shrubs are concerned. And he's got some important tips about Japanese maples, <clears throat> excuse me, which were hit by a freeze a few weeks ago. And I've had question after question after question. So we're going to ask him all about that. Yes, uh, DougOster.com continues to grow, and it's becoming the easiest way to reach me. I'm getting a lot of uh, traffic through there. You just click on the contact button, send me a message, and it goes directly into my email. I have a video this week that you might want to see that I had a lot of fun making. Uh, it's called the I Can't Throw Anything Away Show. <laughs> and so I'm showing all the different stuff in the garden that I've turned into planters or decoration or what it might be. And, and I know a lot of you out there do the same thing. And boy, it is cooling off these couple of days. This is one of the reasons that I always say the succession plant. You know, tomatoes will be fine. Peppers will be fine. But they're just not going to be happy when it gets down to... 40 degrees or lower. They don't like below 50. They, they, they will not be harmed, but they will just kind of slow down and be sad. Uh, and so there's still plenty of time to plant everything in your garden if you haven't got it in yet. Nurseries have been crazy and uh, get, get orders in every couple days. That's how nuts it's been out there. Everybody wants to garden this year. And like I said, go take a look at the nursery and see what's there it's really easy just to, to pay a couple bucks and put a big tomato in. I bought one from Chapman's Greenhouse in April, an early girl, and that thing is its a monster. And I just put it in the other day, filled with little green tomatoes already. You could do the same thing. You could have a, a an early harvest. And it it's so much fun to be planting when things do cool off. Uh, you know, I worry more about that stretch of hot weather we had. And I did have a lot of things that overwintered. And then when we get to that hot weather, they do something called bolting. They go to seed. And so things like spinach and lettuce and my arugula, those things that set, set there all winter in the cold, when it gets hot, they panic. They just go to seed. 
And that's what we keep planting. That's what the succession planting is all about. Uh, this week's column for the Green Voice is all about planting for pollinators. It's something that uh, I love doing. And I spent uh, Friday delivering all sorts of different plants. Uh, I've got so many plants out there in the greenhouse. And I saw our friend Jessica. I gave her some Mexican sunflower. That's one of the things that we both love to grow. And uh, saw some other people uh, still driving around, delivering plants, picking up plants from people. That's part of the, the fun of gardening. And the first part of my weekly interactive webinar on how to grow your own vegetable garden ended Thursday, but uh, students want me to keep going. And so uh, I've worked out something with Farm to Table. Well, we'll be starting that series of webinars again on June 18th, explaining how to you know, keep your garden going. We've already talked about planting it. Now we'll talk about keep it, keeping it going. And the first class will be the joy of gardening with children. Uh, boy, that's something that I've always enjoyed. My kids, of course, are all all grown and gone, but when they were little, everybody had their own little garden, and it was uh, it was great. My, my oldest boy, he's he's composting and gardening, and it's it's fun to watch. And my youngest too, lots of flowers and interest in gardening. So I've been able to pass it on, which is a a, a good feeling. Uh, for those interactive webinars, it's free for anybody on Medicare receiving WIC or SNAP benefits. I want to help you learn how to grow vegetables, grow some food for your family. Rob, do we have time to squeeze in a call? We have time to squeeze in a call. Let's do that. And by the way, number is 866-391-1020. Let's go to uh, Gene in Allison Park for Doug. Good morning, Gene. Good morning. Hey, Jean. My problem is the thistle weed. What do I do? I've been digging it out. Oh, okay, you poor thing. No, nothing worse than Canadian thistle. Now, I got some bad news for you. Every time that you're digging and pulling, you're making more thistle. The okay. only way that we can deal with a weed like thistle, and this is going to take a while, is something called continual top cutting, which means getting a string trimmer or some other way to cut it and just hacking it down to the ground every time that you see it pop up. And okay. the, the reason we have to do that is underneath is this whole network of roots. The, oh, I know. It just keeps, even on the one side where I have brick, it's starting to come up through there. Oh, I know, I know. Okay, so the other thing you can do, okay, the day that you cut them down, you'll see those little white kind of stumps. If you can get an organic herbicide like Nature's Avenger is one, but if you just go to your local nursery, they'll have a, organic-based uh, herbicide that you can just kind of paint onto those white things, and that'll help too. But if you continually top cut, you'll starve the roots and you'll win the battle. But it's I not going to be so. easy. It's going to take all season. Every I'm 81 years old. I'm not sure I'm going to live long oh, enough to see them. <laughs> oh, that's tough. You know, that's just one of those weeds. Uh, if, I, if you could, get somebody to hack it down. Put some okay. of that Nature's of Nature's Avenger on there, and then maybe a, a thick layer of mulch, and then anytime somebody sees it come up, just have them cut it down. Uh, that's the only way to deal with okay. it, and I'm, I'm sorry I don't have a better answer, something easier for you. But that's Nature's Avenge. Nature Nature's Avenger is one of them, but if you go, if you have somebody go, or you go to the the, the nursery you'll be able to find something there that's a, just tell them I want an organic herbicide because it works really well. All right? Okay. Good luck Very on that. Very good. Oh, Thank that, you that's... so much. Enjoy your...
All right, listen, short break. Come back on the other side. More calls for Doug. And still to come, Davy Trees, Talking Trees, KDK Radio, Rob Pratt, Sunday. Good morning. Yeah, she's on the disc. Gets it to the Pittsburgh Newsline, Doug Oster. And we're ready to talk to uh, Ed in McDonald. Hey, Ed, good morning. How are you? Morning. Uh, I'm looking for an uh, organic fungicide. The one I'm using now, it says for onions only four times. And if it rains every other day, you can't put it on. Uh, do you do you know the brand you're using now? Dactyl. Okay, uh, the one that we that I've been recommending is called Serenade. Uh, and if you can't find it when you go to the garden center of the nursery, uh, because it, it's being phased out for another one with a new name that's called Natria N A T R I A, and uh, the, that uses. Uh, it's what we call a biological control. It stops the fungal spores from reproducing, and it's very effective. Uh, and so uh, you should be able to find some serenade out there. If not, ask for the natria. And, and what are the plants that you're, you're working on as far as fungal issues? Uh, onions and uh, tomatoes. All right. So for your tomatoes, there's a couple other things that you can be doing. Uh, are you all planted, or are you still going to be planting more? No planted. Okay. You know, a good layer of mulch will keep those fungal spores from splashing up, removing the bottom leaves, uh, making sure there's enough air circulation between there, and then also continuing to plant. Uh, that's, that's one thing that I do. I, I continue to plant tomatoes later in the season as things warm up. You know, like I said, we've got these 40-degree days here. We have 40 degrees and rain. I don't care what you do, do to a tomato. Uh, it, it, it's going to have some fungal issues. And so that's why I leave a little room in there to plant. But, yeah, take a look at the garden center. You'll be able to find that uh, serenade or natria there, okay? All right, let's go to Peter in Crafton for Doug Oster, the organic gardener. Hey, Pete. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Doug, uh, I was on uh, Facebook, and, uh, you know, they give you these advertisements. And I was just wondering, uh they have a you take a slice of tomato, corn niblets, or um, slice of cucumber or pepper with seeds. You stick it in the dirt, and out comes the plants. Is that going to work pretty good? No, I, I mean you you don't know the, you don't know what what you're going to get out of that. Right. You know, when the when those things sprout, uh, they're probably from a hybrid plant. Is that the idea? You put whatever you have. And sprout yeah, you buy a from, you buy a tomato from the store. You slice it. Yeah, yeah. You put it in so, dirt. You put the so dirt what, on, and all of a sudden, you know, you got tomatoes. What sprouts from that? What the plant that sprouts from that? We don't know what it is, because uh-huh. the the most of the store bought vegetables are what we call hybrids, meaning that using conventional breeding techniques, uh, a breeder took two parents and crossed them to get the traits that they wanted in this tomato, whether it's earliness or taste or smooth skin or whatever it might be. But then when that seed is is saved, it reverts to one of those parents. So sometimes that means it can look similar to the original tomato or sometimes completely different. So you you could you could get that you say get a big beef steak out of the store. If you do that, cut that, sprout it, you could be getting a cherry tomato. You don't know. And so it would be fun to do uh, if if you don't care what the tomato is, if you don't care what it's going to look like, but I I am I, growing s- specific varieties 
because I love them, whether it's a Heart of Italy for being meaty, it's Sun Gold for being sweet, Little Cherry. I want to know yeah. what it is. So, yeah, because like I, I said, you take some corn from corn niblets from a corn plant, and you got a corn uh, and you got corn stalks. You know, I, I just again, again, almost every corn yeah. that's out there is going to be a hybrid. Yeah. You're just, you could, you're going to get a corn plant. You're going to get a tomato plant. You're going to get a pepper plant. You just don't know what it's going to be, and it might not be a great variety. They might be using that one as a parent because it grows tall, and then they use the other one when they're crossing it because it's sweet and wonderful. So you might get a corn plant, but it's going to have corn on it that that might not even be tasty. And so it just it just to buy a packet of seeds is two three bucks. And you know what you're going to get. And so if you're going to spend all that time and energy in growing something, you want to, you want to at least know what it's going to be. All right? Thank you for the call. Up next, it's Pat West Pittsburgh. Hey, Pat. Hi. Hi, Doug. How Haven't you talked to you for a while. And I had a couple comments. I watched you on uh, television talk about doing the rebar, making your cages. Uh-huh. I have a question and a comment. David made them, and I, when I first met him, I helped him, and he laid it clear down the driveway, and he cut the rebar in half. What? And then he he said what he made them before. He dipped them in asphalt, and you know to protect them. I know the ones I have here are kind of rusty, but I wanted to know how you hooked the made the hook on it to to close it up into a cage. So what we're talking about here is actually something called concrete reinforcing wire. And so if you can picture it, it comes in a roll. If you've ever seen um, a concrete company pour concrete, they roll this down, and then they put the uh, the liquid concrete on top of it, and it and that's how it works. And so you, you buy a roll of this, and then I use something called lineman's pliers this is to make a big tomato cage it's going to be five foot tall and as wide around as you want to make it depending on how you cut it and so what i'm doing is i'm just when i'm cutting those uh when i'm cutting the 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 concrete reinforcing wire that's what makes the hook is at the end i just leave some of the uh i don't know what you would call them the wire long and then i just kind of bend them around when I put them together. And I know what you mean because mine, mine have been, I've, I've been using the same cages for 30 years and yeah, they get kind of rusty. I, I wouldn't even know how to do it, uh, coated in asphalt, but it would probably the best thing would probably be to, to paint them with something, uh, just to keep them pretty, but they'll last forever. And you get a full size cage that you don't have to worry about when you plant your tomatoes. When I plant my tomatoes, and you can see in this, I've got a bunch of videos out there at DougOster.com, and you just throw that cage over the tomato, and then I use a wooden tomato stake to hold it in place, and then that's all you have to do, and your tomatoes are good to go. All right, coming up after the news, it'll be Talking Trees with Davey Trees today on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline, along with Doug. It'll be Luke Warner, so stay with us for that. Then outdoor parties coming up next hour, dads and grads keeping it safe, stay at home continuing. Even though we're in that green phase, a lot of folks still working from home and enjoying good meals from home. And we're going to talk all about dads and grads and outdoor parties on the Coons Cooking Hour with Joe and Frank Dentisi and me, Rob Pratt, from 8 until 9. As Rob Pratt Sunday continues, Melinda next with the news in two minutes on KDKA radio. 
Yes, he is. Moments away from him introducing Taka Trees with Davey Trees and Luke Warner. He, too, on the disc of the two to Pittsburgh News Live. But right now, the 10th caller going to win an incredible $25 gift certificate to the good folks out there that are open today, beginning at 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. tonight. Janoski's in Clinton, 412-922-1020. 10th caller wins it. Doug. You're seeing so far in the landscape with our trees I want to talk a little bit about Japanese maples. You and I talked for a story a couple weeks ago because Japanese maples were hit hard by that freeze. What's the first thing you can tell people that have a big Japanese maple that got frosted? What should they do? Obvious loss of foliage. Um, You know, looking at the ground, see those, those leaves that are now, you know, littered as landscape that were just emerged. Um, but uh, the the big thing you want to be worried about is is the loss of those leaves will expose the branches and the limbs um, to more sun. So that can lead to <clears throat> excuse me that can lead to sun scald or essentially sunburn um, of the tree. So you're going to notice that these Japanese maples are going to push out kind of a flush of growth um, as long as their root system hasn't been compromised kind of by the loss of carbohydrates so much um, and just you know, leave a lot of that foliage on. Don't get kind of overzealous and prune all of it out because you're going to, you know, of course, get it back to being too thin again. Um, so pr- look at putting um, maybe about uh, removing maybe a third of the foliage the first year, a third the next year to try to get it back to that shape where it, uh, where it was before. So patience is an important thing with working with any tree and with pruning. Uh, Let's talk about what you're seeing in the landscape so far this spring. What's going on out there? Well, the uh, yeah, the frost in the Japanese maples is surely um, probably number one right now. Um, close second is probably boxwood leaf miners. Um, you know, it's that time of year that a lot of the – or it's that time of year with the weather and the, the temperature with the growing degree days that a lot of the, the insects are really starting to – um, you know, show their presence. But the boxwood leaf miners um, are, are a pest that we're starting to really see the effects of um, right now. And it's, you know, just very prevalent. There's a lot of boxwoods out there. But if um, if you're not familiar with that, it's it's essentially um, a little little uh, larva or, or it's yellowish or yellow to orange um, mosquito-like larva. Um, and it actually feeds on the inside of uh, boxwood leaves. So then it um, doesn't let the, the plant photosynthesize and leaves turn brown and ultimately drop off. What will happen is um, it's kind of pretty unique life cycle where the uh, those larvae feed on the inside of the leaves. Um, they spread throughout the winter. The adults emerge uh, early spring usually around the timing when they push out their flush of new growth and the the females then lay their eggs back into the leaves and then, you know, completes that cycle. So as a homeowner, what are we looking for? Is it just, is it brown leaves or, or can we actually see the pest? You can actually see the pest. So a lot of people get it confused with winter damage. Um, but if you look at that, if you look at some of your leaves, the winter damage is usually a little bit more palish or yellowish. Um, the, the browning is more with the boxwood leaf miners, but the easiest way to tell is get pull a couple of those leaves off that you see, you think may be damaged. You know, you can cut them in half. 
And they, okay. uh, if they're with the leaf miners, they'll essentially fold open like a book since that leaf miner has eaten all of that, uh, that tissue on the inside of the leaf. And you'll see either those, uh, those, those larvae in there. Um, if you get them early enough, you'll see them. You'll actually be moving and feeding. Um, if it's a little bit later, you'll probably see their exoskeletons or, uh, you know, before they emerged as an adult out of the leaf. But as far as control goes, um, the best way is probably, you know, if you time that pruning around the flush of new growth before the larva comes out, you know, you can reduce that population. You will want to rake and do a good job collecting your trimmings, put them in a trash bag, seal it up, burn them, however you like to dispose of you know, those uh, clippings or what you can, but you'd obviously don't want to clean them up and, you know, throw them around the side of the house or else your life cycle is not going to be intercepted right. or interrupted. Right. You don't want to, you don't want to perpetuate the pest. You know, when no. you're speaking of boxwoods, um, do we see much boxwood blight in our area uh, the last few years? Um, it's not super prevalent yet, but we are starting to see it more and more. Seems like the areas that have a significant amount of boxwoods. Um, I know the one like of the a long, like a long line of boxwoods with they're close together. Yeah. Is that what we're yeah creating a and large monoculture? How, yeah. How do we how do we differentiate that between winter kill and well, now we know what to do about the uh, leaf miner? But mm-hmm. so what do we if if we're suspecting it's boxwood blight? What would we be seeing on a boxwood? Um, so boxwood blight can look um, like a lot of other things, but we tend to send those samples away to confirm oh, okay. that it is boxwood blight. Um, the protocol on how to treat that, what to treat it with, is is a um, you know a fungicide applications. Um, if you have a lot, it's a, it's a preventative measure too. It's not going to be used as a curative. So. You're going to be you know, excavating that area, removing those plants, burning them, um, you know, triple bagging them. Uh, you don't want those to spread. Um, but most of the, the time when we have seen it, I believe it's been around the, the Fox Chapel area is where mm-hmm. we've seen it. I don't know that I've seen it elsewhere um, around the Pittsburgh area. In general, what, what would you? How would you? Uh say the season's going for trees trees and shrubs so far is, is it normal cold too warm what do you what are you thinking yeah i mean it seems like we went from uh what the mild winter we had kind of wet into a a wet spring and then kind of dove head first into the the hottest summer it's been um it's been a little bit confusing for plants <clears throat> i know in in february we had some warm days there where you know, silver maples were in full flower, and they're starting to push out. You know, some little uh, little leaves, buds were starting to expand, and then it gets, of course, it gets cold again. So you have that tip dieback um, that you see with with the, that early push out of new growth. Um, but overall, I mean, short of the frost damage on the Japanese maples, everything seems to be doing well. Um, like I said, we're starting to see some more insects come out. Uh, hemlock woolly adelgid, I anticipate will be bad again this year. Um, like I can tell you right now, I can tell you right, I can tell you right now, hemlock woolly adelgid is bad because I, I have a forest filled with hemlocks and oh, they're just covered. And so uh, 
we see that on hemlocks. It just looks like a little white. How would you how would you explain what it looks like? A little white puff or something? I always say if you yeah, if you look underneath of those those limbs, you know, if you get some of those low limbs, flip them over, look on the underneath of it. It's just it's not mistakable for anything else. Kind of looks like little. You know, real small pieces of cotton balls or cotton candy. It's bright white. Um, you know, they they don't have a very protected you know sheath around them. They're kind of exposed. So we need these you know cold, harsh winters to help yeah. control things like hemlock woolly adelgid. So last year, where our winter is essentially non-existent. Um, you know, they just, their population can explode. So it becomes I, quite difficult. I know it. All right, Luke, I want you to stick around to see if we get any tree questions when we come back. For more information about Davy Tree or ask what's going on with your trees, go to Davy.com slash KDKA. And remember, you can always call the experts from Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Back with more of your calls on the Organic Gardener with Doug Oster and Rob Pratt and Luke Warner, KDK Radio. All right, uh, it is Doug Oster. It's Luke Warner. They're both on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh Newsline. We've got a full bank of calls, so let's go right to work and say hello to Dan. Dan, you're on the air with Doug and Luke. What's your question? Good morning. Welcome to KDK Radio. Hi. Let me get you off speaker there first. Uh, yeah, I got um, had a problem with, with uh, someone calls them squash bugs on uh, for my zucchinis. Mm-hmm. It's like every year they'll last maybe six weeks. And they they bore into the uh, into the stem. And, okay, so uh, that's a that that's called a squash vine borer. That's called a squash vine borer. And what we do for organic controls there? Have you planted your squash yet? No, I I, I still uh, they're getting huge in some pots I have. <laughs> okay, uh, as, before you take those pots and put them into the ground. Uh, Cover that, just kind of circle that stem with a little bit of aluminum foil. And I happens, tried that once. Yeah, I mean that. You've got to break the. You've got to break the cycle of the plant of a pest. I'm sorry. So what happens is that the pest comes to the base of the plant and lays its eggs, and then when that those eggs emerge, the host plant is the squash, and that's when they bore in there. Uh, that's the only control that I have is somehow stopping that pest from laying its eggs and and uh that's by first we put flat foil down around it uh to confuse the insect so that when it comes and lays or or lands there it it has trouble laying its eggs and the second thing we do is trying to protect the stem from the pest so that the uh larvae when they emerge don't get into the plant and that that's been working for me so uh, that's my only control that i know to, to use all right, listen, Doug, we're down in just a couple of minutes, so why don't you and uh, Luke wrap up the show. Go right ahead. All right. Hey, Luke, i got a question for you uh, about vines growing up trees. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I see this a lot in, like, uh, you know, older homes and such. It might be ivy. It might be climbing hydrangea or something like that. Is, is it okay to have vines growing up a, a tree like that? Um, you know, in arborist world, it's not something that necessarily we would like to see all the time. Um, cause what happens is people just, you know, inevitably get busy, stop, uh, limiting the growth of that vine and it ultimately gets out on the branches, covers the leaves, um, and blocks those leaves of the, you know, the, the tree from, from getting sun and then it causes dieback. So it's not, uh, it's not a good thing for, for trees. All right. 
One more thing. Uh, I, I always get a lot of questions this time of the year about lilacs. When the best time is to prune lilacs to, to kind of give them a, a little bit of a jump start for next year's blooms. So when is the right time to do that? Um, so the, with the lilacs, what I'd like to do is, is after they flower, um, if you're looking at kind of rejuvenating that plant, take some of those uh, older canes that you see, remove about a third of those. Um, and if you do that on an annual basis, then it kind of re- can rejuvenate the plant, get some younger wood and some younger life back into uh, back into that specimen to maybe get you some more flowers. So I hope that made sense. Is it okay to, to also trim the tops, like give them a little bit of a haircut as soon as they're done blooming to try and encourage some bud growth? Um, I haven't done that, but uh, I okay. would think that would probably uh, be fine. And one more quick question. Give me a, a favorite tree that you love that isn't getting planted that much. I always love to put you guys on the spot. Um, I just planted a Cornelian cherry at my house this year, so that would probably be my answer this year. Is a oh, so, so what, what are the blooms like? Uh, beautiful yellow, very early spring, one of the first trees to uh, come out. So after a, after a winter, I'm always anxious to get outside and, I always look at those plants along with the forsythia and just, you know, kind of gets my uh, my heart racing, knowing that uh, the growing season's coming and it's about time I can work outside a lot more. All right, Luke, thanks for joining us. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. All right, there they go, folks. Stay with us. News next, and it's the Coons Cooking Hour on Rock Pratt Sunday on KDKA Radio. Good morning. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.